Okay, so we'll start from the top. Turns out I don't know if she really loves me anymore. <laughs> uh, just joking. I love you, Clara. Uh, that was a song, the first song that I ever wrote uh, together with uh, Clara, the lovely Clara you hear there. And yeah, we haven't spoken in a little while, but there's still a lot of uh, good feelings in my heart. And I felt like including that song because... Clara and I traveled through Canada to the eastern side, Nova Scotia, on a road trip uh, where we both discovered Canada. It had been many years since I had actually been in Canada, and it felt like a fun idea to explore it together with uh, a young Italian, wonderful woman and on this journey when we arrived in Nova Scotia we immediately found ourselves in this beautiful red clay farm this um, yeah this magical evening known as the white rabbit festival just so happened to be unfolding in yeah in the week that we arrived and we were really blessed to be able to go there and volunteer actually to clean up the festival in exchange for going to it because we were on a bit of a budget and wow it was crazy the festival was about a day and a half and i don't know maybe 100 150 people and we had like half a bag of of garbage actually when we did the last sweep to clean up, there was hardly anything. I think it, there wasn't even, you know, plastic. It was just things from the the stage and different different stuff. But incredibly cool culture uh, was fully explored and exploded in one magical evening. And yeah, this was hosted and put on by a wonderful artist and sweet, sweet human named Thomas Young who today I learned passed away. And this triggered me to dig back into the archives. I tell you, I, 
I travel around with an audio recorder since many years. Um, so I record so many things and, and now it's just a daunting task to like open up all these different files and folders full of unnamed audio recordings. But, but I did mark the time that me and Thomas Young and a few other lovely ladies found ourselves in a sauna just after the red clay white rabbit festival and i was super touched by this amazing installation art that thomas did for that year it was 2019 he created these clay figures that were coming out of the ground and reaching up into the sky and in all directions expressing anguish and and yeah it's not easy for me to describe but luckily i was so inspired when i first saw these figures that i started recording video and as this white rabbit festival unfolded i didn't have any intention of documenting the festival because i was so in it but i did i did capture these figures in their journey from from being in a frozen state of fiery expression to actually being uh, on fire. And it was like nothing I've ever seen before. These figures in a field, smoke slowly rising out of them. And in the background, there was this angelic music that at first didn't even register as being uh, live, but later on i realized that there was this wonderful musician named jacques mindreau <laughs> um i hope i pronounced that right mindreau he was he does these beautiful compositions with the looper pedal and with the violin and with his voice and creates these whole soundscapes and it really wow fused together with this installation art and i was blessed to be able to capture that and make a video so i highly recommend that you check that out the link will be in the description of this podcast and this is a tribute to thomas young who i very briefly met but was very touched by his spirit and his soft but wise and caring words and yeah i'm editing together this this podcast is a uh, excerpts from conversations we had in the sauna and yeah we talk a little bit about the art piece and different journeys we've had and I wish I asked him more questions but it wasn't really an interview it was just um a good sweat and yeah good sharing and I'd like to share this now with the world in case some people who knew Thomas or yeah some somehow it feels like a fitting moment to hear these words and some of the poetry and music that we share lots of love i'm gonna play you in with my brother matty d also known as omi which is friend of water and he certainly is a good friend of water and a good friend of mine we were doing a musical sharing after the festival the day after the festival just going around in a circle and sharing songs and then he 
said, yo, you want to come to my car? This is where I rap all day long. And we all jumped at the opportunity and jumped in his car and we weren't even going anywhere. We just drove <laughs> for 15 minutes with nice beats blaring and Matt just sharing his art and his heart and his raps. So check it. This is Matty D. Oh me. So on the 21st of this month, so like three days, it'll be the anniversary of my grandmother dying. She died like six days before White Rabbit last year. This inspired this. So many beautiful people around me, all this positive energy grasping the negativity is how I found me, expressing that fears outstanding. If your goal was to instill fear, mine is to project love, and I'm tired of hearing all this blanket statements of what success was. Yes, I'll often get nervous, but I rarely show I'm feeling. I'm thinking, what is my purpose? It's my thoughts as a young boy stealing. Let me offer a service. I'm preaching sentimental meaning. And I know what the worst is, it's why I'm seeking mental healing. If you ignore your curses, you may dream but thus your dreams. When you face your demons, you see that they're not what they seem open your heart. And you just might meet your queen Be real from the start And work to keep your conscience clean Sometimes loved ones depart You can really fuck up your scheme You gotta succeed for them There's really no in-between God bless my dear grandmother She was a queen indeed Teardrops on a sunny day Let this water nourish wild seas Liquid diamonds dance at the sun When the light beams catch the bees And you ask me if I'm okay I'm a little weird when I grieve Yeah, ah, I'm a little weird when I grieve you ask me if I'm okay I'm a little weird when I grieve And I've been breaking down A wood of snow sticks and no seeds Ask me if I'm okay, I'm a little weird when I grieve There's so many beautiful people around me All this positive energy grounds me The negativity is how I found me Expressing that fears of standing So many beautiful people around me All this positive energy grounds me The negativity is how I found me Expressing that feels outstanding Wild geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. So when you say, like, to bring that to life, what was amazing for me uh, experiencing this piece was when I came back to it and it was already full of smoke. And at first when I arrived, there was, like, people watching it like it was like a theater, you know, like... It was only like you or one other person in there lighting the fires and everyone was kind of like, you know, witnessing and I just, like a child, I just wanted to go in and I just walked in and, and, uh, and the close, 
when I got close to like these figures and with their expressions and having this smoke like pouring out of like all these pores in the body and like some of it like very slow I just I don't know it was really alive in that moment and and spoke a lot to suffering for me like to you know the characters in a kind of agony with like this steam or the smoke pouring out it seemed to me like a a representation of uh, pain or, or difficulty uh-huh. or challenge. I don't know what it, what it was for you. Well, that's really where this idea of ungrounded comes from because I find that people uh, are really uh, get, get anxiety and even though we are so comfortable and have so many things. Like a lot, a lot of people that I know, especially in urban environments, are are so filled with anxiety of various forms and a lot of them start to become a little dis- debilitated from the anxiety they all of a sudden enter into depression or, um, so that's the idea of being ungrounded is how in the society that where we have everything we're actually less uh, grounded and um, and sort of firm in our, our you know, sort of attitude or, or, or perception of life. Um, but that sort of go, I mean, that was, that's definitely been out in my mind and that was sort of part of the premise, but largely, you know, when you create something, for me, it's often just intuition. I don't know about you, Grace, but sometimes you don't really think it through completely. You just trust your instincts and start working and you have a vague idea of what you're doing and hope it 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 sort of eventually becomes what you what it what you might have hoped it would so definitely that was the case it's just like i want to build a bunch of human forms that are half buried in the earth Mm -hmm. a little bit bigger than life so that they they're noticeable and have them all sort of be wrapped in smoke at some point and probably maybe end up burning into just a pile of rubble and I'm you know it doesn't I know I don't want to attach any sort of particular politics to it but a lot of the idea of working with fire is like it's, it's really nice to be able to say that is our human condition you know <laughs> yeah you're burning yeah yeah I mean, that's, and it's not even what the science is, it's people's perception of what's happening to them. Some say the world will end in fire, others say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. Mm -hmm. But if I had to perish twice, I think that ice too would suffice. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. Like standing on the garden bed that was still there in the dream and I knew that like people were inside and I had to like go and I had to deal with them and do things. But there was just this like really beautiful moment of like me and Badger standing there and then like this knowing that we had to go back across the water and we couldn't stay there and it felt like he was really there you know like 
it didn't feel like one of those totally internal dreams. It was like crossing into this place where our spirits were able to touch again for a minute, but I have to go back. It's the only poem I've ever wrote it was when I was super sunburnt under a tree in Mozambique. <laughs> and we were there with a bunch of university students who were visiting like a village and planting trees and giving them solar lights and teaching them how to make rock stoves and you know doing like a kind of cultural exchange but we were doing nothing because it was so hot <laughs> and the poem just said when it's hot you must not do a lot <laughs> and I fell asleep <laughs> and woke up with the most burnt legs I've ever had <laughs> oh, no. oh, shit. but that poem doesn't really feel like it applies so well in the sauna because it's kind of it's getting hot though I feel like we're doing maybe not a lot, but I'm doing something. Nice, nice thing. Yeah. I follow Can you in here. Yeah. Tell me about your experience in Mozambique. Like where did you land? And where did you go? We landed as fourteen students in Johannesburg and we had a connection with One World University outside of Maputo in Mozambique. So we, um, we hitchhiked to the border. That was like the first entrance into traveling Africa. We, we all split up into like two or three and we met at the border pretty much all that night. Like, you know, everyone arrived and then we got to the university, which was this amazing kind of, it was built by, I don't know, like a lot of, uh, Scandinavian, Norwegian, and Danish people have been mm. doing kind of projects there. and It's like this kind of global network and they built this really big university that houses like a couple hundred students from all around Mozambique and they're studying different subjects of pedagogy and environmental restoration. And, and so the first investigation we did was with them. We went with them. They were going to different villages and basically living there for a couple months and uh, participating with the communities that were still subsisting as they had been for a long time with nothing but a bit of corn and a well like four kilometers away. But one of the s first strong experiences I had in Mozambique there was walking to the well with the people and arriving after like an hour on this dirt road and and just seeing this really long line of really happy people, like people smiling, kids swinging in the trees. And you, we waited probably like over an hour and a half to get to the well to fill up these bottles to take them back. But I don't know, I was, I don't know, I don't remember if I was so happy when I arrived there, but Definitely by the time we left the well, I was like really amazed at what I had seen, this like power of people together who really know each other and, you know, mm. who live together as community. It was like maybe my first contact with like that kind of uh, energy. So interesting, a lack of material wealth, but happiness is a substitute. They were rich in something, I, mm -hmm. yeah. 
didn't know as well. While I was looking for music to add to this sauna session story time about these African investigations, I came across this poem that I wrote three years ago as a way of grieving also. It seems to be uh, a trend that I'm realizing just now that as I learn that people die who touched me and who really inspired me in life, I want to create something in their memory and from the lessons that they taught me. And I recorded this poem and music when I learned that Farid was killed in the Middle East. He he was one of the 14 students that did the investigations in Africa and we we dove into copper mining together in Zambia and had a lot of intense radical experiences and he went on to to fight directly for freedom for democracy and for these people who were resisting ISIS near the border of Syria I believe and he was shot and killed by ISIS fighting for what he believed in and here's a poem that I'd like to share for Farid a comrade has fallen freedom is calling who's gonna pick up a friend is dead killed on the front lines to which most of us are blind. Radical was his mission. Fanaticals stopped his singing heart. But was he the only one keeping the beat Write a rhythm, too real to be broken like flesh, too pure to be trapped in violence mesh. In the middle of the East, we know of man's search for peace. Amongst our brothers and sisters oppressed. Let me ask you now, my brother, my sister, are we free to live what beyond all time is to be? The form of Farid 
is no more. What once was is now not, as will it all. Wake up from an exclusive nightmare, collectively dreamt up, individually swallowed down. A comrade is calling. Hang up the phone if you wish to receive the message. Root down to the ground. If you can feel the wreckage inside, out. Let it out, for fuck's sakes. Don't you know what the stakes are? It's heaven or hell, right here, right now. That's our choice. With love, we make to be free is to be responsible for this choice each and every moment not to be dwelling in our shadows, casting a prison over the presence of peace. And after that first investigation, we left and we did a ring around Zimbabwe over the like four months. We went in six countries and actually the last country was Mozambique again. I entered from the north from coming down from Tanzania, Malawi, and then I did, the last investigation was on education. I wanted to investigate education because mm -hmm. Mozambique was like, of all the countries, it was the fastest growing in GDP. And, mm -hmm. you know, also just coming out of 30, 40 years of conflict, like of mm -hmm. the Span or the Portuguese leaving uh, their Colonize, colonizing efforts in like the most barbaric you know way of right. all the countries I visited destroying like just to the bitter ends and like all the infrastructure what all the infrastructure everything like they Why just would they do that I don't know like it was maybe they just didn't want to accept losing the colony they were the Portuguese also had a very kind of materialistic way of colonizing like mm. they really just in the lands that they conquered that I know of, like they just kind of treated it as if it's resources, all the people, mm -hmm. all the oh, ev yes, everything. That's the premise of colonialism. Yeah, but with them, like they, I don't know, they, it seems like they were a bit more. I think there is, in some cases, and this was true with the Romans too, like a mix. They wanted to extract wealth, but they also wanted to bring what they thought were the virtues of society to these places, mm -hmm. including the justice system and you know um, infrastructure but it sounds like they're I, I think I think the Spanish too were just they weren't interested in bringing they were I think the Spanish were interested in bringing 
Catholicism, but not really any virtues of society that I know. They thought that was the only one, I guess. Mm. And maybe some of the Portuguese sound similar. Well, just the countries struggled to like. I mean, when the when the Portuguese colonizers left, there was one doctor in the whole country. There was no government. There was so the one doctor and whatever other educated people they could find in the area like went into becoming the first kind of government and and of course the you know the world bank and the imf and and all this neoliberalist things just attacked and uh got control of the country like immediately through the economy and and so that's why it has a lot of growing gdp but and a lot of you know financial aid going to Mozambique that's just like investment to to kind of control those so the conflict was civil war well after the colonizers left it fell into civil war yeah between two because they had no like native like structure at that point yeah I guess I don't know like there was just a power vacuum and like they didn't have another system to revert back to after the colonization because I think it went on long enough to like Really. But in, in part, there's there's this very intentional process of like colonialism and, imperiali- and, and imperialism, which is you can witness throughout African countries where the colonizer empowered one ethnic group over the other, yeah. and that ethnic group would continue would secure the continued extraction of wealth of the colonizer, mm-hmm. and like maintain these socioeconomic systems that would like enable the flowing of wealth elsewhere mm. so it makes sense that there was probably and th- and and it's very intentional to inflame ethnic tensions right mm. because of the vulnerability that arises yeah so and but then borders were drawn arbitrarily right? also that's yeah a hu- that's a huge factor i think there's like i just like i don't know steph you've heard this uh, you know talking with people from rwanda mm. and the the um the students that were working there were very convinced that colonization was like only a bad thing, and the native Rwandans were saying good and bad, you know. And they talked about some of the really ruthless, um, well, really absence of justice before the any justice system was brought in by the Dutch, and especially towards women. And so he just said good and bad. I think it's contextual. I think. Like, largely, it'd be fair to characterize it as bad. <laughs> but I think, um, because that's, the assumption there is that there wasn't an indigenous sis- um, system of, like, judge, um, justice or governance. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, when you distance yourself, when you're, like, mm-hmm. so far removed from that, you can't necessarily return to those ways where there's, mm-hmm. like, a process that's required. And any good things that came of it were still um, at the cost of so much else. So you can totally like they can they can be recognized as like these particular things were good to a point, but everything that was brought with them caused so much damage. So maybe they could have been, maybe the parts that were useful could have been achieved some other way. Mm, yeah, and maybe some of the good or the benefit just comes in people moving around. Mm-hmm. Like n- the idea of colonizing, I think, is one of the worst ways of moving around the planet but right. just movement and circulation and yeah, interaction yeah. between people yeah. can always produce in some experiences like positive mm-hmm. thank you now that because with colonialism it's an imposition and there's a power imbalance mm. but like the, the cultural sharing and sharing of ideologies mm-hmm. and like ways of being in the world sharing versus conquest yeah. i 
like one of the things I think about is you know part of what's happened and this is true in Africa and elsewhere like the population of the world has exploded mm -hmm. in the past 50 years and this is true in Africa and right now it's happening and so but that increase in population is a success but a failure <laughs> you know in other words people now have access to medicine they didn't have like pop the population doesn't grow because you all of a sudden decided to have more babies it's because you're stopping the babies from dying yeah starvation mm. and disease but also lack of reproductive like care and access to <coughs> but that, that no, no reproductive like systems existed historically in those mm -hmm. countries but now they do but yeah they, there's not the poverty like I think that the to me the answer is like equitable distribution of wealth and exactly. education That's exactly, yeah. yeah well getting back to the education in Mozambique like I only was investigating it for about eight days but mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time with um, American English teachers that were there on like an exchange, like young people interacting with then the teachers there. And I went to some of the classes and, and basically the, the system from the West that is imposed on them because they're getting financial aid, which means uh. the West gets to still dictate um, mm -hmm. everything that should happen. So they say, oh, you have to use this grade system, you know, mm -hmm. you have to do it like this but there's not enough money for books, there's no lights in the houses at night, so like, the kids have, like, they don't have the support to really do that kind of school, and yet they're sitting in classes expected to do that, mm. and all the pressure is put on the teacher right. to, to get the grades, so the teacher just gives them all passing grades, otherwise they'd be fired, you know, and right. so <laughs> on paper, it's matching what the UN is, is demanding, yeah. in mm -hmm. practice, it's, um, a debacle, uh, really sad way. Depriving kids of their childhood outside of classrooms, <laughs> which is, I think is sad everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the structure of education is so removed from real life. I think the best education happens in engaging with the world and, and being invited into conversations and skill building and community activity. Like this is proof of that. And. Yeah. Every time I see a kid who just gets to participate in community without being quarantined from it, and classrooms, I think they often feel like quarantine, they're learning so much more and they're also way better adjusted. Mm. I was able, able to apply the knowledge too, it's not just stuff on paper. Yeah, I was very um, surprised by this this uh, young girl, Shady, is her name? Sadie. Sadie? Yeah, Sadie's great. Like, just mm -hmm. the confidence she had to speak to those to all these people and obviously the desire to like yeah. engage and to also cr create and and perform i i was really amazed to see uh i don't know how old she is but just a young she's 11 11 yeah um, and i thought and i spoke with her briefly um and she mentioned she seemed to know where the bathtub was seven years ago so from <laughs> that i assume that she's been engaged with this <laughs> this community for quite some time i don't know what the well, she was saying some funny things to me too. We were dancing, and she was up like so late dancing. And mm -hmm. it was, it's really nice to just be friends with her. Like I think intergenerational friendship is really important, and it's she's a great person. Like it's really fun to just like hang out with her and dance. But she was talking to me about the festival over the past years, and she was like, you know, 
it kind of sucks when you're younger. Like I didn't really <laughs> when care. You're eight. Yeah, when I was <laughs> eight, I didn't think it was that great. But then last year, I thought it was really cool. And this year, I think it's even better. <laughs> and next year, I might bring a friend. It sucks when you're eight. What changed? My bubble got popped. Now I'm on the mend. If you're gonna give her. Go full send, man, it depends, it depends You're dependable, can people trust you? You commendable, will you bless you up for cause? Understand the family system of the law You're 110, win, lose, or draw Time and again, the world will leave you raw Space create me to the self at all And I'm sealing my faith for sodas uh, Space create me to the self at all You can heed my advice and may spice up your life You'll want to live it twice Open your heart and discover your art It could be writing a lemony toss Crowing a food or elevating blues I'm so tired, holy it's worth saying twice <clears throat> oh yeah man honestly like even if I do it perfect the first time it still sounds way better the third time <laughs> my means to an end but me and my friends, when I was down, such are those who were in the land, yeah. My bubble got popped, now I'm on the mend. And if you're gonna give her, go full send, man, it depends, it depends. You dependable, can people trust you? You commendable, will you bless you got for a cause? Understand the family says about the law, you're 110, win, lose, or draw. Time and again, the world will leave you raw. Space create me, truth to solve it all, and I'm sealing my fate, but I just started off. Space create me, truth to solve it all, you can heed my advice and my spice of your life. You'll want to live it twice. Open your heart and discover your art. It could be writing a lemon in your toss, curling a food or elevating moves, but those violent demons will soon do whatever you do for the good of it. It could be healing a student of Pseudophys, right? If the beacon with words you've been preaching, you could be reaching to someone in need. If you're now in a king, give yourself a feed. Choose how you spend. Localize economies around the bend. Globalize family trees. Pray to whatever you want. It won't stress me. Thank you, Miss the I'm the best me. Don't miss a cue when the vessel leave. Take in the view and its majesty. Man, I lost a few. We're all bound to. With the feeling of victory is itching me. Epiphanies into a telepathy. Less mysteries are duality. Some bathe you made your showers. Discover your true power. There's a contrast. Sweet to sour. I'm accepting that we just proceed to release. Not wavering stare. In the eye of the beast and close my eyes and manifesting guys, yeah. I choose to let her bide, yeah. My god, I abide, yeah. My god, I abide, yeah. So my god, I abide. Get my family running outside, you can find me waiting outside. Keep my hand in the miles, yeah. My god, I abide. Keep giving me those eyes, you can follow me outside. Letting you know, side, yeah. That's funny. That's like, um. Man, those involuntary noises. I said mood, but I was like mood. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things when I when I sing. Yeah. It's what surprises me coming out of my own mouth, like what I didn't, with any intention, do. But yeah. <laughs> which is oh, all right then. <laughs> Mythology and tradition was one of my favorite investigations in Tanzania. Like I really wanted to stay longer because we were on a bit of a quick timeline. Like we'd enter the country and should meet with the rest of the team on the other border in 10 days with, wow. with an investigation product Whoa. to share what we learned. And so just this experience of hitchhiking across Tanzania, like through 
like the whole middle of the country is there's just one highway and it's mm -hmm. just a nature reserve all around. So you oh, just wow. see all the wild animals and and at one point we got stuck in a traffic jam where the cars weren't moving for hours. So we just got out of the car and there was this beautiful river and we ended up striking up conversation with some other people who were there and they told us about a professor in a university um, who was basically like our go-to guy who told us everything about the mythology. Like he had studied that and was teaching that and was very open. Like we just arrived at the university, went to his office, he was there and just spoke oh. with us for like hours, invited us to come to his mountain village on Kilimanjaro where he had grown up and that was why I wish I had more time because you know like mm -hmm. to go there and he's like okay yeah like from the last road it's like 100 kilometers to the village oh, so really? either you rent a jeep either like I don't know but, but then you can meet the shamans like the diviners you call them and like the people who still practice this uh, these traditions that are so I, I definitely want mm. to go back, but um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be learned in Africa. Mm -hmm. Definitely from the people, and uh, I don't know. Like for me, it blew me blew me away. I was 21 and like just been traveling for about a year as like a backpacker, and then kind of like more like a hitchhiker, dumpster diver, <laughs> becoming more and more radical until then, you know getting into, I don't know, more global issues and kind of reaching out. And also the, the question was like giving back, you know, we were traveling across Africa and what we had to really offer the people was quite minimal as travelers, you know, like, mm -hmm. so there was this massive amount of responsibility that I got from that experience that when I came back to Europe, I was like in a bit of a culture shock and moved to France and got an apartment and just stopped moving for after two years of moving moving like I just mm -hmm. was like okay it's time to build something now and I was like kind of the first project I tried to launch with inviting people in and creating a sense of community around educating ourselves about global issues and environmental issues you know uh, I wonder if there's a parallel between rural Africa and rural Nova Scotia <laughs> Uh, so, I have a friend who started this organization called um, uh, Community Forest International, and they actually fund it through a carbon credit selling system. And they, you know, because they plant forests in various different places, Africa is one of them. And it happened because he was traveling in Tanzania, or Tanzania. And he was in a village, and people were saying, so what do you do? And he said, I'm a tree planter, because that's what he did. He was like, <laughs> he just went out west and tree planted, and then he traveled the rest of the year. And they said, we need trees here. Can you help us? <laughs> and that's how his whole organization got started. He said, yeah, I think I can help you. And so then I think, okay, so why did they need this person from Canada to come to their village? to do anything about planting trees when they knew that they wanted trees planted. And I think in when I look at Nova Scotia, rural communities are, the similarity is that people live here, they're in their comfort zone, mm -hmm. and they become, I think you said the word for it yesterday, what was it? Um. Yeah, something about just being, being kind of inactive. In mm -hmm. And um, because you just haven't stretched yourself 
and you're just in, like, at, you're comfortable, basically. Yeah, comfort zone, like, yeah. it's eliminated a lot of possibilities of, like, what you can do when engaging with the larger sphere of, of yeah. life. And here you get these people who start these great enterprises, like the Dutchman and his mm -hmm. brother in Great Village has this wonderful nursery and a few others, who are all people who have moved into the community. And there's only a few in the community who have that kind of initiative. Mm. So it might be just that people who are <coughs> comfortable in their community just have a little bit of trouble sort of doing something new. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're traveling and arriving in a new place, it's like a lot of what you're seeing is so totally new that, and and I think we have this impulse to, like what someone was saying yesterday, to produce, to create, you know, to engage, and so. So maybe that helps stimulate that those kinds mm -hmm. of ambitions and. Mm -hmm. And just when people ask you, like if you arrive and are communicating with a community or a family or people and they ask you to do something like it's a wonderful opportunity to like give and to give service you know and if you plant trees we need trees like I have heard of a guy in Africa who was just like so gung-ho on planting trees he was like doing it like every mm -hmm. day eight and then, like just this one guy planted hundreds of thousands of trees and is still doing it and it's just like a passion you know and and uh Maybe, yeah. Maybe not everyone feels like they mm. can do that, but and it's not. A, I don't think it's uh, anything to do with work ethic. It just has to do with stepping outside your yeah. your zone. Mm. As I was sitting by my window, a fair young man he passed me by. He looked at me as if he knew me And he said, young girl, do you fancy I Fancy you a man of honor A maid of honor I never will be For I am waiting for so long perhaps he's sick or perhaps he's married or perhaps he's dead in some foreign land well if he's sick I wish him better and if he's married I wish him joy and if he's dead, I wish him heaven. Oh, Lord, protect my sailor boy. And when he saw that she was faithful, and when he saw that she was true, he reached his hand. 
hand in his press pocket Pulled out a ring that was broken too The other part of this dear ring, love It lies beneath the foaming sea And if you ever wish to marry ending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's about a ghost. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.